Hello and welcome to the Materializing Mindset Podcast with me, your host, Michael Helton. Join me as we go down the rabbit hole of uncovering more of which we do not know. As your host, I will guide us into the depths of the why behind successful people, how they got where they are now, and how they plan to get where they're going. So here I sit, learning with you along this journey to materialize that which we hope to have by talking to those who define their lives as successful. That is to say, those folks that are living the life they have chosen for the reasons they hold dear. Whether they have just taken the leap into a new career or they have been in the game for 20 years, I want to hear from them all. A quote this show will live by is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Every person is my superior in some way, and in that... I have something to learn from them. We will learn how people dealt with the good times, the bad, adversity, with success, failure, and everything in between, from the nice to the mean, from the red to the green. I'll also uncover truths I have stumbled upon along the way in my life and how those teachings and life lessons have led me to where I am and how my conversations with the guests on this show will lead me where I seek to go. Are you ready? You don't have to do much. Just don't touch anything and we'll get right to it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Materializing Mindset Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey, I appreciate you guys joining me on the journey this far. Hey, if you've listened to a couple of episodes, you've gotten something out of one of them, I encourage you to share this podcast with a friend. I, I encourage you to leave a review, uh, leave some stars. That'll really help me out in understanding what you guys are after, what you guys are finding valuable, uh, or just reach out to me directly and, and let me know what you think. Uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, so today I, I really wanted to cover something that kind of flies in the face of what we talked about on on my last episode, and that is talking about the bad things. And now when I say bad things, I don't necessarily mean traumatic experiences or, or bad events, which are things that need to be talked about. But for this episode, I'll be more structuring it in terms of talking about undesirable inputs or decisions that could have been made differently. And to kind of structure the theme of, of how we'll talk about decision making, I wanted to mention a book called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. Now, if you've never heard of the book or the author, Annie Duke is a World Series of Poker champion. Um, she has a lot of great ideas throughout that book. A lot of them are centered around looking at decision making as if it were a bet. And what were you? What would you be willing to wager on any given decision? And that's not to say that you're going to put money down or that you're going to bet some sort of, of physical thing. It's more or less just like your your mental state and and quantifying the percentage level that that you're willing to put towards a decision uh, in terms of your leanings on whether or not you think it's going to come to fruition or not, uh, depending on on which decision you make and how you make that bet. Now, again, she has a lot of really cool ideas throughout the book uh, and her formula for evaluating decisions and seeing every decision is to bet. It's contrarian to how we see decision making. Uh, I wanted to take a deep dive into a couple more of the broad themes, like especially the idea of not measuring the quality of a decision by its outcome. And that to me, that's totally different than anything I've ever used in terms of how to define whether or not something worked out in my favor, whether or not I did something correctly, whether or not I need to make improvements is I always looked at the outcome. Right. If I made a 90 on a test, it's like I counted that as good and moved on. But if I don't evaluate what I did wrong on that test and then the midterm comes, but in those questions that I missed on that test, plus, you know, let's say there's three tests before midterm and on all three of those tests, I made a 90. So on the midterm, every single question that I missed are the exact questions that make it to the midterm. And so now 
the three questions I missed on each test are now the nine questions I missed on the midterm. And that affects my grade. And of course, if you know, if you make 90s on all your tests up to the midterm, you're probably going to make a good grade on the midterm. But that's not the point. The point is I didn't evaluate the good result because I was blinded by the result and therefore didn't see a reason to, to look at my efforts and look at what I might have done wrong. So, And when I can do that and I can evaluate every decision simply based off of the information I had when I made the decision, the environment I was in when I made the decision, who I was around when I made the decision, what influenced me to make the decision, right? Notice none of those are tied to the outcome. None of those say, hey, let's evaluate the outcome and then determine how good of a decision it was. It's all determined of your inputs because there's so many different variables that happen in life that so long as you felt like you had a fighting chance when looking at the situation objectively and you made the decision based off of that, you took the leap. You tried. I mean, you can't get upset at yourself. I can't get upset at myself if I try something and fail abysmally or don't accomplish the goal that I set forth um, only because I have to understand again that the quality of my inputs don't always determine the quality of my outcomes. But if I constantly seek to improve my inputs and I constantly seek to obtain new ways in order to obtain higher quality inputs and, and or, or learn more information that lends itself to, to allowing me to give higher inputs, naturally, my outcomes will become better. Naturally, I will start to see the results, but that's based off consistency and continued growth. And that continued growth is achieved when I can look at every, again, every single outcome and, and take it back to what decisions were made that led to that outcome. Because even if it is a desirable outcome, even if the goal was met, even if the goal was made, there are still improvements to be made. Because here's the thing, if I don't make the improvements, then I might face that same decision, or that, that rather, that same situation, make those same decisions I did previously that worked for me, and then I don't have anything. You know, I don't, I don't have the same outcome, and now I'm blindsided by it. And so when I can look at things from an objective standpoint and I can realize that, that my growth is determinant upon how well I can increase my ability to um, make quality decisions and not tie myself to the outcome, not become emotionally charged, not think no one's ever done it before, so I'm not going to do it. Or that looks kind of tough. I don't think I've got the fortitude to do it. Just look at it totally objectively and understand, yeah, you know what? I don't have the skill to do this. I don't have the resources to do this, but I've got the grit and the determination and the will. And after evaluating this, those are more important than understanding the full scope of everything before I make that decision to try something new or to apply at that job. You know, I think a lot of times I'll write myself off before I even try. You know, I was, I was talking to, to um, my, actually my manager at work earlier and he was asking me about this, this kind of side hustle that I had set up in the fall. And I told him, you know, I, I don't think it's going to work out because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I don't think people are really in a position where they want to invest into something like that. And after about 30 seconds of me talking, I'm like, what am I doing? Who, what, what am I doing? I haven't even tried. I haven't even made like a valiant attempt at this particular side hustle in terms of trying to grow it into the new year and trying to, you know, take on new clients, whatever the case may be, I cut myself off and I said, Colin, I don't know what I'm doing here, man. I, I, I got to stop this limiting belief stuff. And he just started shaking his head. You know, he's sh shaking his head. Yes. You know, like, yes, you do. And, you know, it's just funny how when given enough time 
and enough self-evaluation, I think we really do all come to the right conclusion, right? You talk your way into a solution. And so that's why I started this whole thing, you know, is, is I wanted to learn from people who are where I want to be, who can define their own lives as successful, whether they've been in the game for 20 years or they're just jumping into a new career. It don't matter because the thing is, they, those people made the decisions it took to get where they are. And so decision-making and the ability to make sound decisions, facts and, and, and objective things and understanding that there's a level of uncertainty, understanding that there's a level of not being able to accomplish what you're setting out to do, but that that's okay because none of that matters because what matters is what goes into the situation, right? There's some things that are just unpredictable. Right. I mean, if you bought a house in 2008 and then the market crashes and you can't even afford the property taxes that are tied to the new valuation of your home and your mortgage just essentially doubled because of how high your property taxes are, because you you set up your budget to get to pay yearly property taxes on a home that costs two hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Well, now it's valued eight hundred fifty grand. It's like, whoa, uh, uh, what? That's a huge jump. But people can't predict that. But if you think to yourself, oh, you know, uh. I'll just wait till the market settles down or, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just hold off until the timing's right. The timing will never be right. I don't know who needs to hear this. You're never going to feel like it. You're never going to get that aha moment. Like, Oh wow. I'm struck with so much motivation. It's consistency. That's what, that's what I need. I don't need motivation. I can motivate myself. I can scream to myself in a room and get myself hyped up. I can start singing Thunder. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I can I can start doing that and, and my heart's already beating faster, bro. I got sweat on my brow, but it's fleeting. In about 37 seconds, I'm not gonna feel that feeling anymore. But if I just remain consistent and keep doing what I need to do, I'm gonna get there. Because not every bad decision has a bad outcome. Not every good decision has a good outcome. And you know, the all too familiar analogy that that I've heard and I'm sure you've heard is that life is like chess. Right. That's that's the one people like talk. They like saying that life is like a chessboard. You, know, you got to know where to move the pieces. You got to know where your opponent's going to go next. But, you know, the, the sad reality is you can make all the wrong decisions for all the wrong reasons and still come out on top. And the flip of that is that you can make all the right decisions for all the right reasons and still end up losing out. But if you're a chess player, you are not going to lose if you are more skilled and focused than your opponent. That's it. Full stop right? But if you're playing poker, the cards you're dealt, they play a role in who wins the hand, but that's not determinant of the outcome. Annie offers that idea that life is like poker and that the cards you're dealt aren't entirely determinant of who takes the chips. It depends on you. The quality of a decision, again, is not determined by the outcome. Good in doesn't always equal good out. It's really important to talk about how especially in my life, with the victories and the things that I consider a win, I don't really evaluate what I could have changed. I more or less just bask in the glory of of what I think was the right thing to do and then just move along. you know. And then, and then if that same situation occurs again and I put in the same inputs and I didn't evaluate how I could have changed them and something different happens, well, now there's this extreme sense of defeat because I'm like, well, I did this before and it worked and now it's not. But because I didn't take that time to self-reflect and talk about the bad things, talk about the things I could have worked on, I could have improved on. Now, I'm again, I'm blinded by the outcome and I'm not going to be able to, to level up. You know, and in short, it's 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 much easier and it's frankly practical. 
to only evaluate on bad outcomes. But when I allow myself to be blinded by the outcome, whether desirable or not, fail to focus on the only thing that I really have control over in those situations, and that's the decision-making process. You know, in my current role, I make a lot of cold calls. I send a lot of cold emails. I hear no, not interested. How'd you get my number? What's your name again? Oh, that's right. I don't care. You know, <laughs> no one said the last part, but but I felt it, you know. Um, but when I'm able to ask the right questions and pique the interest of the prospect enough to want them to attend a meeting and learn a little bit more about bird eye, you know, it's considered a victory. You know, a lot of times I, I still find myself looking and evaluating that call and finding out what more information could I have gotten? How could I have fully achieved BANT, you know, budget authority, need timing? How could I have really evaluated where they are in the decision-making process for whether or not this product gets implemented? Because at the end of the day, that's focusing on the outcome again, right? I'm focusing on, I need to get them on a meeting. I, I, I need to close this deal. I need to do this and do that. I need to just take a step back. I need to realize, hey, the goal of this call is to learn more about the prospect, to define whether or not they're even a good fit for BirdEye, and then just go from there. And when that happens, the conversation rolls much easier. There's less pressure felt by the prospect because I'm not forcing them to do anything. I'm just saying, hey, look, based on what you've told me, I think this might be a good option to take a look at what you think about tomorrow. How's it look for you? Whereas if I come off with that commission breath, if you will, that's because I'm too focused on the outcome, you know? And, 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 a good rule of thumb for me is to not really even focus on the outcome of a decision and instead focus solely on my inputs, the actions I can take. Conversely to what I just said, there's some calls where I get on, I ask the right questions, I, I had the right pauses, I inflected and deflected my voice in a way that, that was congruent with conveying the message I was trying to get across, I hit the right pain points. But the VP of marketing just got let go. That position is trying to get filled and they don't have any need to try to create any new initiatives right now. So that, there's nothing I could have done differently. I made every right decision. I made every right connection, call to authority, rapport building, but they are not in a position to look at BirdEye or to buy. And I cannot tie myself to the outcome in the sense of, well, that was a failed call because they didn't take a meeting. No, it was, it was a successful call because I got enough information to understand why they didn't take a meeting, right? And so... That again, I, I change my frame on how I look at and evaluate performance, you know, and, and it further instills the idea in my head that I can do better and that I can evaluate what is going right and what is going wrong, um, you know, because the outcome again is totally out of my control. And if I separate myself from the outcome, that allows me to act with intention. And, and, and when I create that intention, there again, Focusing on what can I control? What can I do in this conversation to guide it into the right place? Because um, if I get too tied up and trying to control the outcome, all I'm doing at that point is focusing on something I do not have, you know, which further instills the idea of, of not having it, you know. But it's the old adage, you learn more from a loss. And it's especially true with, with life and, and really anything that happens. Good outcomes, you know, can make it to where I don't identify severe problems within my process. And it may have been a non-issue in that particular scenario, but when that situation comes up again and it's a different scenario, I, because I didn't evaluate the bad decision and I, and I only relished in the wins, I didn't see where to improve, I'm, I'm blindsided when that same stroke of luck doesn't get brushed across the canvas that is my ideal outcome. If I'm focusing on the outcome and I'm trying to define what I want to happen, how I want it to happen and where, then it's never going to happen. And you know, that's the biggest thing for me in my decision-making process, what, no matter what it is, all I ever have control over is what I can put into the decision. You know, when I have that confidence in myself to understand 
that I can make the right choices and I can make the right decisions just by way of, of pure statistics, the outcome is, is better suited to what I seek to obtain. Annie, Annie says it perfectly. Whenever she defines how to bet on a decision or how to see as a decision is one that you want to make, you have to look at that in terms of how many times out of 100 would that thing be accomplished? You know, And so if the answer is greater than 50, bet on it. Because there's a there's a good chance that you're going to win. You know, that's why statistical methods and looking at things in that nature, it 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 I mean, numbers are our world. You know, everything in, in the in the natural universe that we are aware of can be explained through math in terms of replicating it or 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 showing how it moves and works on a graph or on a plot on an XY axis. And so when you think about that, it's like, okay, I can, you know, and that and that's where Annie really <laughs> flies in the face of anything that I've thought in terms of how to make a decision because she really evaluates it by tacking on percentage of chance, percentage of, of desirable outcome, undesirable outcome, what could go wrong, and, and then just taking the bet. Because again, that's what it is. A decision is a bet. It's not, it's not sure. There, there's nothing that I do that is 100% going to alter or change the outcome in a complex decision-making scenario. You know, now, now if, if you were to talk about something like, well, that means if I drop this brick on my toe, I have no control over the outcome, you know? But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is complex decision-making skills, whether it's betting on a hand at a, at a blackjack table or it's deciding whether or not to, to take a new job or, or deciding whether or not in a leadership role, whether to let somebody go or, or you know, deciding whether or not to have a child or get married or, or any of those things, you know, again, you only have control over the inputs and that's with anything. And, and I have to keep reminding myself of that because it's so easy to sit here and say that, but in practice, it's one of the most difficult things for me to do is for something good to happen and, and to not let my ego get built up and to say, where, where could I have improved in this? You know, that, that's a, <laughs> that's a really difficult thing to do. I mean, just pride and ego in and of itself is such a difficult thing to separate myself from that whenever I try and look at, you know, what I've been fighting to do, because, you know, at the end of the day, when we're goal driven and, and we're only, I shouldn't say goal driven, we're outcome driven, I lose drive. You know, this, this good friend of mine uh, sent me a video the other day, you know, it was, a, it was a video where this gentleman was talking to him and, you know, he said, well, what's some advice you got for the younger generation? He said, man, you got to understand that if you want to get to Z, you got to get through A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N. You know, you got to get through the whole alphabet before you get to Z. What is it? 26, 27 letters. You got to get through those first 25 or 26 letters. And it's going to happen overnight. But that decision to go from A to B, from B to C, from C to D is what sparks the change, is what allows people to move forward. And that's what allows me to really tackle life and all that comes at me because there's power in understanding that I have no control over the outcome in the same way that there's, that there's fear and uncertainty. You know, it just depends on which, which end of the spectrum you decide to lean on, you know, and that's the thing is it's all perception. It's all how you view it. I mean, just, you know, the whole idea of not tying yourself to the outcome is just perceiving that entire situation differently. And, and when, whenever I'm able to do that, I swear I have so much better of a time. You know, if I'm if I'm in the gym and I'm trying to get, you know, eight reps of of whatever, whatever's on the bar, if it's squat, it's three thirty five, whatever. If I don't get the eighth rep, but I put everything I had into it, I made sure my form was correct. I made sure I warmed up, made sure I stretched. I made sure I got below parallel and came back up. 
you know, but I don't get it. I can't count that as a failure and as a loss and, and get defeated and get upset because the thing is I tried, I gave it an effort. The biggest travesty would be to look at the weight on the bar and say, no, there's no way I can do that and walking away. But here's the thing. It's the same outcome. If I don't, if I look at that bar and say, ah, I can't get that and I don't do it. I didn't get eight reps. That's the same out. If I'm looking at it from that point of view, it's the same outcome as getting seven reps and not, not achieving the eighth because I'm tying myself solely to the outcome of accomplish eight reps of the squat. If that's the outcome I'm seeking and that doesn't happen, you know, that that's something that I have to live with and I have to sulk in my sorrows. And I got to think about how the whole gym just watched me not get that eighth rep and oh man, not, you know, and, and thinking about the whole gym watching, it can be the reason you don't try for the reps anyway. If I don't put in the inputs that I can control, that's the real failure. That's the real bad thing. You know, if I just look at a decision and count myself out before I even attempt it without evaluating whether or not it's a good decision, without evaluating the inputs, I'm, I'm destined for failure in every pursuit. Whenever you're talking about life, it's not like chess, it's like poker. In the same way that a really great poker player can just get dealt crap hands all night and some guy who's less skilled than him takes away the pot in the same sense that someone who's just not good at poker at all just gets dealt money hands all night long and ends up walking away victor you know but if 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 either of those people don't evaluate those decisions and and really truthfully i think the more detriment is is the wins is not evaluating the wins you know because if that poker player decides from the outcome that oh man I'm, I'm a great player like I, I can I can roll with the best of them I can go to those high stakes table well guess what's gonna happen next time if it's not repeated he's gonna end up a loser and he's gonna end up again even worse off because he is riding high from that victory and he's not able to see where he could have improved you know and that's again it, it goes back into the idea of understanding that the outcome is not always going to match the inputs right and the inputs are only determined by you and me and what I do. You know, it's another example that that Annie gives in the book in terms of decision making. This company that she was that she was uh, consulting with, she was consulting with some executives. The group identified firing the president of the company as as the worst decision. Uh, you know, since we fired him, the search for a replacement's been awful. We've had two different people on the job. Sales are falling. The company's not doing well. We haven't had anybody come in who actually turns out to be as good as he was. You know, when you look at that result, you think, wow, that's pretty horrendous. Like that's, that's horrible. So, you know, what Annie did was she probed into why the CEO thought the decision to fire as president was so bad. And he explained the decision process and the basis of the conclusion. Here's what the CEO said. We looked at our direct competitors and our comparable companies and concluded we weren't performing up to their level. We thought we could perform and grow at that level and that it was probably a leadership issue. And he goes on to press him about what the process was and, and, you know, understanding the skill gaps and what could have done better. And the CEO invested a lot of time and effort, executive coaching. They tried to delineate different responsibilities to different people. But in the end, the president that is in question didn't improve with, with leadership, with team building, with relating to others and ended up having to be let go for that reason. You know, everyone agreed that it was a bad decision when Annie asked who thinks this was a bad decision. You know, everybody agreed the company had gone through a thoughtful process and made a decision that was reasonable given what they knew at the time. The relationship between decision quality and results is imperfect. If you make all the right choices and all the right decisions, you can still not achieve that desirable outcome. But in the same token, if you always make the right decisions and you always have the right inputs, at some point it's going to pay off. If you've, if you've been thoughtful and objective in your decision-making process, 
And, you know, that that idea of being thoughtful and objective are two very important criteria that go into assessing that decision. You know, and when I say thoughtful, it's more or less understanding that you can't be swayed by the outcome. Right. If, because like I said, if you continually make the right decisions, if I continually make the right decisions and make the right choices based off of, of information, based off of what I think I'm capable of, based off of, you know, what I think is feasible, eventually it's going to land. But if I stop making those decisions and I alter the course and I change what I'm doing because of the outcome specifically, you know, it, it I'll oftentimes wonder why things aren't working out the way I, I seek them to in the first place, you know, and that's not, you don't want to take an extreme case that that's where the thoughtfulness and the objectivity of defining what's a good decision is super important. And it's the hardest part for me, especially because sometimes it can be hard to navigate, especially when you're not exclusively basing everything off the outcome. You know, I, I think it takes a very much uh, a intentional approach to understanding exactly how you can change the process, how you can alter the decision-making and how you can go in with your best foot forward into any situation or into any goal or into any initiative that, that I have in place or that I want to see be put in place. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I wanted to kind of get across to you guys today. And, and the biggest thing that I struggle with too, and that's where, you know, kind of reminding myself of this book and to understand that just because I'm not seeing the results immediately, I'm not seeing the outcomes that I want to see immediately. So long as I am being intentional and observant of the decisions that I'm making, the inputs that I have control over, putting in full effort, putting in a good attitude, right? Because at the end of the day, those are the only two things I have control over is attitude and effort. And so when I can go in with those two things at the forefront and then add in the objectivity, the intentionality, and the ability to define what are good inputs and, and you know, really highlight those and really lean on those, that's where I can really see good results. You know, it's like if I go to the gym and I'm trying for a new PR and I don't get it, well, I, I can't just change my entire process and my entire training method because I didn't get the weight that I was trying to get. And that can go into anything. Right. If I if I put a bunch of of inputs into studying for a test and to trying to do my best and the outcome is is not there, it's not what I wanted. Well, it's time to go back and look at the inputs, look at the decisions that I made, look at it objectively. Right. Because that's a really good time for reflection to understand what worked in the same sense. You know, I need to evaluate the successes as much as the failures. And I need to talk about the bad things. And when I say the bad things, I'm talking about the inputs. I need to understand where can I improve my process? Where can I hone in my decision-making? Because at the end of the day, that is what is going to bring the best results, right? I'm not outcome-focused. I'm not outcome-oriented. But to achieve the goals that I seek, I have to understand that the output and the input, again, have an imperfect and unbalanced relationship because of all the externalities, because of all the different situations, because of all the different factors that go into the result. And at the end of the day, when I can focus on what I can do and what I can improve on, I'm golden. And that's been the number one thing that I've had to get through to myself in my life. And I hope that you took something away from this. You know, the biggest thing is, is for me, just understanding that I have control over the inputs and the decisions and that the outcomes aren't necessarily always in my control and, and hardly ever. 
are they always in my control? And so I've got to focus on what I can control. I've got to not let the failures bring me down and I've got to not let the wins make me think I'm too good to improve. And th those are the things that, that I've tried to carry with myself and it's stuff that I work on daily. And, you know, if, if you've got something out of this podcast, guys, feel free to share it with a friend, copy the link, send it over to them. Uh, that would really help me out and understanding what you guys are finding valuable. And hey, I hope you guys all have a great rest of your day. And I appreciate you for joining me here on the Materializing Mindset Podcast.